Amen. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Amen. We truly honor you all today. We're so, you know, we truly honor you. I mean, a mom is so important. Amen. And, um, you know, here at New Beginnings, we started a tradition last year on Mother's Day about donating to a, a specific ministry. Um, we did it on Mother's Day and Father's Day, and we're going to be continuing that. So for this Mother's Day, we're actually going to be donating a total of, we want to let you guys know, because you're faithful giving, this is what it goes towards. Amen. We're going to be donating $3,000 um, to Legacy of Purpose, $1,000 from each campus. Um, we're going to be donating, so $3,000 to Legacy of Purpose. Who here was here last weekend? Amen. I'm going to um, explain that. Is who here was last weekend? You saw Pastor Ron Cox. We had a guest speaker, and his wife Suzanne spoke at um, Sisterhood. So this is actually their ministry, Legacy of Purpose. And there's two parts of it. There's two women's organizations in it that they work through, through Legacy of Purpose. They are, um, one is called My Sister's Place in Alabama and Project Rescue in India. And both of these organizations that they work with help women coming out of sex trafficking. So that's what we're donating towards this year. Amen, church. So thank you guys so much. Your faithful giving goes towards this. Amen. And I want to actually, before we get into the message, <clears throat> pray. Pray for these ministries. Pray for these women. Amen. So if you could join me in prayer, Father, we just thank you, Father, that we have this opportunity to sow into this ministry as a church, God. And Father, I just pray blessing upon these ministries. I pray, Father, that you would continue, Father, to, to supply all of their need. And Father, for these women that they're rescuing, Lord, that you would protect them, that you would watch over them. You would give the, the ministry supernatural wisdom, Father. You would give them wisdom. Your protection would be over them, Lord God. We thank you for restoration for these women, Father, freedom from these for these women, Lord. And we just continue that pray that your blessing would continue in this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, <clears throat> the message here this morning is going to be off of Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, we, it really is, you know, one of the most famous Psalms. We could say, you know, many of us know that Psalms. There could be a lot of you in here that have that Psalm completely memorized. You could recite <clears throat> that entire Psalm. And we'll be getting into that Psalm in a, in a few minutes and reading it and then really breaking it down. But, you know, one of the most common questions about our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ could be, well, people might have a question, is what is the difference between Christianity and all other religions? And almost always this, the answer is, well, Christianity, it's not just religion. It's not a religion, but it's a relationship with God, amen, which we, we, which we know it is. It's a relationship with God. And if this is true, which, which we know and we believe that it is, then we should expect, what, to find a very relatable, a very compassionate God who is very interested in our everyday lives. God is interested in your everyday life. Even further than that, God is interested in every moment of your everyday life. He's familiar also with the struggles and the challenges that we have in this life. You know, nothing takes God by surprise. Things take us by surprise. Sometimes it can feel like very frequently. But nothing takes God by surprise. I want to go to the book of Hebrews here in chapter 4, starting in verse 14. And it's talking about Jesus here, and it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses 
For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Amen? And what does a high priest do? Well, a high priest, it goes, the high priest goes to God on the behalf of the people. He offers sacrifices, prayers, petitions. And the high priest here is being referred to as Jesus. Jesus is the one referred to here himself, who is both our high priest and he was a sacrifice. Jesus is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Amen? And the thing we need to know is he is a very personal God. He's a very personal God. His desire is for us to have an intimate relationship with him. Not just a surface relationship, but to truly know him. Jesus left his divine nature so he could become like us, so that we might become like him. Amen? You know, we forget, sometimes we could have a misconception that Jesus just started existing when he was born here, but that's not the case. Jesus always was. He always was there. He was with the Father in heaven and then came to earth to die for our sins left heaven to come to earth to die for our sins. Why? Because he wanted to restore that relationship for, for us to be with the Father. And there had to be a price that had to be paid. There had to be a sacrifice, and Jesus was that sacrifice. So it should be no surprise that our loving Savior desires to be very close to us. His very name says it all. We go to the Gospel of Matthew, in the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, when it's, when it's prophesied talking about Jesus, if we can get that scripture in Matthew 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with the child, with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Jesus Christ desires a very personal relationship with us, and he is with us. Amen. You know, God knew that it would be impossible for us to come into his presence because of sin. Because we got to remember, God is holy. God hates sin. And before Jesus came, we were in sin. This world still is in sin. And in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, they would have to bring sacrifices. They would have to do that. Why? To even be able to enter the presence of God and then then they would sin and they wouldn't be able to enter the presence of God until they were able to bring another sacrifice. But Jesus became that ultimate sacrifice. Why? So we could enter the presence of our God. Amen? And that is a very passionate, loving devotion, like a husband to a bride. Now I want to go to Psalm 34, verse 18. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Such a powerful scripture, such a true scripture, a scripture I've leaned on many times in life. God is ever close. Amen? You know, and again, and um, I'll share this, you know, we, we heard it a little bit in the videos. Sometimes we could feel like God is very distant, but God doesn't change. He's close. The word says, draw near to him. He draws near to us. He's there with open arms. He's close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's not just sitting high up in the heavens, removed from our experience of pain. He is always available, and he's close to us, especially when we are suffering or when we're going through something. He stays with us, and he helps us get through it. Amen? He helps us to breathe again, to find hope in the darkness. With Jesus, there is always hope. With Jesus, there is always 
hope. Amen? Amen. Listen, you know, when you're going through something, and you know, I'm sure all of us in here at one time or another, possibly right now, you know, you're going through something tough and, you know, maybe I, I'm the only one, but I'm sure I'm not the only one that's ever felt like this or has said this, but you know, when you're going through something tough and you can start getting frustrated, well, nobody just understands how I feel, right? No matter what, if that's true in that there's nobody maybe around you that can understand that, he does. Amen. Amen? He does. God understands our feelings. He helps us bear whatever it is that is overwhelming us because he is our savior. He, he suffered for us. He knows firsthand about brokenness. When Jesus hung on the cross, the greatest brokenness of all time, it was for us all. It was for all of us. You know, there's a, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, there's a very comforting and a reassuring scripture that is found in this book from the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 31.3, it says, The Lord has appeared to, to, of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. If you look closer to the original language where it says of old, where it says the Lord has appeared of old to me, that of old would actually translate from eternity. And so it could say, from eternity, I and I have loved you with a love that has been committed since time began. With loving mercy, I have drawn you. What is that saying? He's saying, well, before you were even conceived, I committed my love to you. Before you had your first thought, I, would dis I decided to love you. Before you ever sinned, before the very first lie, before the very first act of disobedience, I loved you with an everlasting love. That's what God is saying. And really, if we look all throughout the scriptures, we could see the same message about God, that he is an ever-present, very personal, and up-close God. Amen? He's very present, ever-present. When we're in trouble, in the good, in the bad, in everything in between, he is an ever-present God. And David, now we're going to be going to Psalm um, 23. See, David here, David is King David. David's known for many things in the Word of God. And one of the things David is known for is for being a psalmist. David wrote many of the psalms in the book of Psalm. In the book of Psalms, he wrote many of them. And today, if we were going to put it in words today, we would call him a songwriter. You know, a lot of the worship songs that we sing are based off the Psalms. And David wrote one of the most recognizable Psalms or we say songs in history, and that's Psalm 23. So I'm going to read Psalm 23, and then we're going to start to break it down. Amen? So remember, David wrote this, and David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And then in verse 6, he sums it up by saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, powerful psalm, and we can see 
Psalm 23 is all about the relationship between what? Between God and man. And it really took David just six verses, six verses to sum up and to describe what it is like to have a very personal relationship with a very personal God. So let's start with verse one. And we're going to break this down. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. See, especially in these times when David wrote this, people would really grasp that with the Lord is my shepherd. Now, in today, we don't have, there's, I, maybe I, if there is one in here, raise your hand. But is there a shepherd of sheep in this room? No, there's not a shepherd of sheep. You know, last night when we said that, uh, somebody we just heard say, what about goats? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we have somebody, shepherd of goats in the church. But there's nobody in here. We're not an actual shepherd of sheep, right? You're not driving around, you know, around here. You're not going to drive around and see somebody out there just shepherding a bunch of sheep. But when this was written, they were very familiar with this in these ancient times. And the ancient mind, to the ancient mind, a shepherd, represented, a shepherd represented many things. A shepherd represented security, protection, provision, comfort. And we can say our God represents all of those as well. Amen. He is our security. He's our protection. He gives us provision and he is our comfort as well. You know, sheep are very calm when their shepherd is close by, very calm when their shepherd is close by. Do you know we can, it is possible for us to be in a, a state of, of, of calmness, even when things feel like they're going crazy? I'm not saying it's easy. But do you know it's possible? Because our shepherd is very close by. It's something we can't lose sight of. Our shepherd is always close by. And why are they close? Why are they calm? Well, we can know because of our shepherd, Jesus, all of our concerns for our needs are met in him. Amen. Again, I can say nothing takes God by surprise. It's something I have to remind myself all the time. Because, again, things can take us by surprise like that. And sometimes you can feel like, how am I going to get out of this? How is this going to work out? Just pause and be calm and know that, God, this isn't a surprise to you. And you're with me. You know, Jesus promised, he promised to never leave us or forsake us. I want to read the gospel in the gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. Because you got to remember, go back into this time of the, the disciples. They're doing life with Jesus. For three years, walking with Jesus, seeing Jesus in the flesh, seeing Jesus heal people before their eyes, seeing miracles that Jesus is performing, hearing Jesus preach with an authority like they've never heard anybody preach with before, talking about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is now explaining to them, hey, I'm going to die. And I'm going to leave you. I got to go back to the Father. 
you would think the disciples, they're probably a little frantic right now, right? Thinking, how are we going to make it? How are we going to go through? What do you mean you're going to leave, Jesus? What do you mean you're not going to be here? We, we thought you'd be here forever. What are you talking about? And Jesus says in John 14, 27, he says, I am leaving you with a gift. He says, peace of mind and heart. Something I truly believe every human desires. A peace of mind and heart, right? He says, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Jesus knows we all desire peace. He knows we all need peace. But also notice what Jesus is saying here. He's saying the peace that he gives is a gift that this world cannot give. Why? Because Jesus is our peace. If you have Jesus, you, should, you could always have peace. If you find your peace in him alone, you can always have peace. No matter the situation. If you find your peace in the world, your peace can come and go and you could have people could take your peace from you. Right? You could be peaceful when you first wake up. And 20 minutes later, it's gone. For whatever reason. You know. Your spouse, I don't know. Your kids. Whatever, you get a, a phone call you weren't expecting. If that's just what you find your peace in, you know, I, for, for the longest time, um, I struggled with, I could be, my, my wife tells me all the time, I could be very, like, routine. I like routine. Um, like, if I wake up and I know what I'm doing from when I first wake up until I go to sleep, that brings, like, comfort to me. <laughs> like, something spontaneous for me, like, is like, let's go get some pizza. My wife's like, okay. I'm like, we're going to drive, like, 20 minutes, though. I'm like, I'm getting a little crazy. So, anyway, <laughs> I've gotten better, though. But in the past... Um, if I had something set in my mind on how something was supposed to go and then it didn't go that way, it, would, it could throw me off. And then I had a kid. And I realized, <laughs> all right, there's this thing of routine that can get blown up at any moment. <laughs> but over the years, I've, I've worked on that because, and now I'm a lot more... Um, there you go, spontaneous, go with the flow. Like when something happens, like, okay. And I had pieces I had to learn because I would actually get like a little frantic when something, like I would always have in my mind how something was supposed to work out. And when it didn't, it could throw me off. But thank God over the years, I've like, I work because, listen, when Jesus is our peace, amen? Don't find your peace in this world. And Jesus says, it's a gift, that peace he gives us is a gift that this world cannot give us. So he says, so don't be troubled or afraid. And now verse 2 in Psalm 23, he says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me, it says, he is the shepherd. He knows what is best for us. 
I love it. Leads us to still waters. Why? Because a good shepherd knows that sheep will never drink from a running stream. Why? Because they get fretful and nervous. And he knows we do best when we get alone with him in a calm and a quiet place. You know, to have quiet can be a very good thing. And in the world we live in now where things are go, 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 news comes at us 24-7, again, you know, and I'm guilty of, of saying this too, but I've noticed, you know, generally you ask somebody, how are you doing? And one of the first words is always just busy nowadays, right? How you been? Busy. We all feel like that. We're busy. We're busy. We need to make sure we get that time alone with him where we are quiet and we are still so we could hear his voice. You know, a lot of the times we can feel like, God, you're not speaking to me, but we're not listening for him. You know, I, I would realize, like, sometimes, you know, I'd go in my, my room and I would pray. And, you know, once I say, you know, in Jesus' name, amen, I'm spending time in prayer. And then all of a sudden I'm pulling out my phone and going on something, going on Facebook and scrolling. And I'm like, God, I can't hear you. Well, yeah, I'm like hearing like a hundred other people saying stuff. Sometimes, and it can, be honest, can I be honest? Sometimes it can feel uncomfortable in the beginning. But we need to be still before our God quiet before our God, to give time to listen, and just give him time in that moment too to restore us, to restore us, to, to give life to us, to give strength to us in his presence. Amen. <clears throat> verse number three, and that kind of brings us to, to verse number three. It says, he restores my soul. Well, we know we are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our spirit comes alive unto him. Our spirit's perfective. Our, our spirit becomes alive unto him. Our body is something we want to be good stewards of, right? We want to be good stewards of the body that we have here while we're living on earth. But then we have a soul, and our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And our soul is where a lot of the battles happen. And it says he restores our soul. See, when Jesus comes into our lives... What does he do? He offers us the opportunity to change. And I want to highlight that. He offers us the opportunity to change. And we have to notice it's an opportunity to change. We must cooperate and allow the Holy Spirit to change what? The way that we think, the way that we speak, and the way that we act. It's an opportunity to change. And how do we do that? How do we actually change? Well, he Happens when what? Will you allow the word of God to become our foundation? When we start thinking on the word of God, speaking on the word of God, and being obedient to the word of God. You know, the word says he gives us a new heart. He takes out the heart of stone and puts in a heart that can be shaped by him. And we have to make sure we don't let that heart become stone again so we could let him mold it. Amen? Amen. Verse 4. David writes a very powerful verse here. He says, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, David, a lot of the Psalms that he wrote, he wrote while he was on the run. David had a lot of people that wanted to kill him at times. His own father-in-law was trying to kill him. Then he got past that. And then his son was trying to kill him. People were after David a lot. And he says, listen, yeah, I walk through the valley of shadow of death. He says, but I will fear no evil. 
But he didn't stop there. Why can he fear no evil? He says, because for you are with me. He said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And again, talking about a shepherd, in ancient times, any good shepherd carried two items with them. They carried the rod. And the rod, it was usually a two-foot wooden club. Sometimes maybe it had spikes in it to defend the flock against predators. So the shepherd would have to have that rod in their hand. Why? To fight off any of the predators that would be coming to coming after the sheep. You know, a predator would come after a sheep and the, the shepherd, they're not going to run away and just let the sheep get devoured. No, the sh- shepherd is there to fight and to protect the sheep. And then they would also carry a staff. And a staff, a longer wooden stick with a curved end. You know, many of us have seen it has that curved end. And what's that for? To guide the flock into where the good grass is. So if the, if the sheep are trying to wander off, it can just reach, grab the sheep by his neck. No, come on, come back to the grass. If the sheep's trying to escape, Come on, the sheep's trying to go right when it needs to go left. No, let's go this way. And God is our good shepherd. He has a rod. He fights our battles, amen? He's there to help us. He fights our battles. And he's also there to guide us when we get off track, which nobody in here, we don't have. No, when we get off track, when we start wandering, he's there to help bring us back, amen? So how could David again write, I will fear no evil? Because he knew his shepherd is well equipped. Just like our shepherd is well equipped, amen? He can protect us and guide us into the plan that he has for us. You know, Jesus said, Jesus himself said, in this life you will have tribulation. No one promised a trouble-free life. We'll have that when we're in heaven. On this earth, no one promised a trouble-free life. He said, in this life you will have tribulation, but he did go on to say also, but be of good courage. What's he saying there? He's saying, don't worry. He says, because I have overcome the troubles of this world. And I, I know me personally, I'm comforted by the knowledge that my shepherd is very capable of directing my steps, even when maybe I can't even see the path. Because we've been there. Many of us have been there before, right? Where it feels like you, you, you can't see the path. You don't know where the path begins. He's there to guide us and to direct us. And he will. Amen? Now, verse number five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You know, a table here. This is important because, see, a table represents a place of satisfaction and celebration, right? You know, many of us on holidays, your family comes, what, you gather around the table, you're celebrating something, you're eating, so you're probably satisfied. And it's a place where both struggles and victories are shared. A lot of important discussions happen around the table, right? You share the tough times and you celebrate and the good times. And notice, God says that he sets that table, it says here, that God sets that table in the presence of our enemies, David says, and my enemies. In other words, he sets the table, that place that represents a satisfaction and celebration even while the battle is going on. Not waiting for the outcome, he celebrates us with us in advance. 
because Jesus has given us the victory. Amen? Amen? Jesus has given us the victory. You know, uh, I mean, there's, there's many times in my life, I'll just point out of one where you're going through something and, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to see a way out. Sometimes it's hard to see how things better, but you can know and even thank God in advance. And he's, he's with you and rejoicing that, Lord, I might not know the exact day that this is going to come through or whatever, but Father, I'm thanking you and rejoicing in advance because you are with me and you set a table before me. Amen. And then we get to the point where it says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Um, I believe in this moment, David probably is remembering here when the prophet Samuel came to his house when David was just a young teenager. And and many of you, you know this story. David's a young teenager here and God tells Samuel that there's going to be a new king. Saul has not listening. Saul's falling short. Saul's being disobedient. And he says to go to the house of Jesse, you're going to anoint the next king. And his father, what his father did, so the prophet Samuel comes there, and David's father assembled all of the older brothers, all of the brothers except for David. And Samuel passed all the other brothers, and he, and he said no to each one. He passed through all the brothers and said no to each one. And then Samuel asked, are there any others? And Jesse, his father, said, yes, there is the youngest one who was out tending the sheep. So this is all going on. David's not even there. David's out tending the sheep. Jesse didn't even think David was worthy of being invited to lunch with the most important prophet Israel had ever known in that time. Yet, what happened? David was anointed to be king in the presence of those who considered him worthless. David was the one who was anointed to be king. Amen. And then verse 6. David finishes this psalm with saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy, both attributes of our Savior. Amen. Both are experienced in full when we develop a Psalm 23 type of lifestyle. You know, it's apparent that David, because remember, David didn't write a lot of these psalms in the most pleasant of circumstances or in the pleasantest of uh, places. Like a lot of times he was on the run. He was in hiding. And it's apparent that David could only write this psalm because he had developed a very close relationship with his God. And because of this close relationship, David acknowledged God as his shepherd. And in, he- in Hebrew, that is called Jehovah Rohi, God my shepherd. And I want to close <clears throat> this morning with a question that Jesus asked his disciples that I believe that he still asks us even today, even now. If we go to the book, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 14, and Jesus is asking his disciples here, he's asking them, who do men say that I am? He's asking them, who do people say that I am? And it says, so they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And verse 15, it says, he said to them, Jesus says to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? One of the most important questions that there is. And he still asks that question. Who do you say that I am? 
And Simon Peter answered and said, well, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So that question is asked to all of us this morning. Who is he to you? Who is he to you? See, God had revealed to Peter who Jesus is. And as a result, Peter acknowledged Jesus for who he is. And God has done the same thing for you right now. Listen, our salvation depends on who Jesus is to you. Not on your good deeds, not on your moral lifestyle, not on how religious you are, not who God is to somebody else. No, who is he to you? Believing that he is who he said he is. That he is the son of God who died in our place to release us from the penalty of our sins and to bring us back into relationship with the great shepherd of our souls to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So who do you say he is? Why don't we all stand up? Who do you need him to be? Who do you say that he is? Your savior? Your healer? Your provider? Your strength? Your comfort? Your abundantly available help in trouble? Who is he to you? Because he is who he said he is. Amen? Now I want to make sure that if there is anybody in this room this morning that you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would have that opportunity to. I believe you've seen enough evidence through the scriptures. And if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, you have that opportunity to, to believe that he is who he said he is, that he is the son of God, that he came to this earth, he suffered for us, he died for our sins, he defeated death, he rose again, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's going to come back again too. The word says when we believe that he's God's son, we believe he died for us, we believe that he rose again, we truly believe that in our hearts, we confess that with our mouth, it says salvation has come. It says the Spirit the living God comes to live on the inside of us. We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Spiritually, we go from death to life. But that is a decision while you have to make here on earth. While you're still living here on this earth, you need to make that decision to make him the Lord of your life and to surrender your life to him. Amen? So why don't we all bow our heads and we can close our eyes and we can all pray this together. But I want to lead us in this salvation prayer. And again, know that if you are praying this for the first time, you believe this and you pray this, salvation has come. So let's pray this. Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he came to this earth. He suffered for me. He died for me. And he rose again. So this day, I acknowledge that I need a Savior. 
And Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord, and to be my Savior. I repent of my old ways, and I surrender my life to you. I thank you for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, in just a minute when we're dismissed, please don't just walk out these doors. Come up, tell somebody on our prayer team, I gave my life to Jesus because we want to rejoice with you. The word to God says heaven's rejoicing with you. We want to give you a Bible. This is the beginning of your relationship with God. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. We have resources we want to give you to, to help you start this journey. Amen? And if you need prayer for anything else, please come up. We would love to stand in faith with you for what you're believing for according to the word. Amen. Amen. Listen again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. I pray that you all have a great, blessed rest of the day. Please, we have a photo area out there. Take a picture. Amen. Enjoy your day and God bless you. We love you all and we will see you next weekend.